0: Tonight we're going to look at, for just a few minutes I do believe, we're going to look at Romans chapter 13 verses 8 through 14 and we're going to look at, as you can see, do you know what time it is? Do you know what time it is? And I'm not talking about that watch on your wrist. We're talking about that spiritual time clock, that time of getting ready and what time we need to be preparing, we need to see and we can tell a little bit about the time, but what we're facing even this last couple of months and even today. You've got that there. If you'd stand for the reading of the word, we're going to look at, do you know what time it is? In Romans chapter 13, verse 8. And this is the instruction that Paul gives. He says, O oh, no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth one another hath fulfilled the law. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet, and if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ills to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law, and that knowing the time, that now is it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation near. Then when we believe, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off all the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, let, not in rioting or drunkenness, not in chambering or wantonness, not in strife or envying but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Do you know what time it is? let's pray. Heavenly Father I pray that God that you would anoint this word and God that you would speak tonight that we would see God what you're saying to us in this hour in this time Lord that our eyes are open that our hearts are burning that we're yearning and yielded before you that you can speak like never before you speak tonight Lord you give me the words to say and that God Lord you fill this altar, Lord you cause our hearts to burn for you and God that we would surrender. Surrender to what you want us to do. Speak to us tonight. Almighty God, in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be saved. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Do you know what time it is? Do you know what time it is? Amen. Amen. So we're we are living in an unprecedented time in this country. We are living in an unprecedented time. It seems like there's one word. If you sum up what we see that's happening, if you look at every the political scene, if you look at the racial scene, if you look at the uh, uh, if you look between uh, uh, classes of people, between social beliefs and in spiritual beliefs, or even right and wrong, there's one word that sums up what we're seeing, and it's hate. There is such, and it's, it, it's kind of a scary thing. It's, it, it's a very scary thing. It's a very, and, it, and it's not just sometimes you can see something that happens in another part of the world and it kind of concerns us. But when we start seeing it happening in our own state, and we're seeing it across our nation, we're seeing that we are in a time when there needs to be a move of God more than ever before. And the only, the opposite of hate is love. And so there, Paul is trying to get the point of cross in these verses that the one thing that needs to be dominant in the life of a true born-again Christian more than anything, the thing that's going to make the greatest impact, the thing that's going to shine brighter, the one that's going to win souls over, the one that's going to be a beacon that's going to draw people to Christ more than anything else, else is this, is love. It's love and it's not something that comes naturally we when you look and in fact you got to watch and and've i've had to limit i'll just be honest let me tell you where i'm at I, I, I i've been for a period of time during all this pandemic i would i keep following up on stuff every night i try to figure out where we were but anymore i've seen i've had to limit my exposure <laughs> i get a little peek in the morning and maybe a little peek at night just to see see how bad is it just 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 a little that's about all i can handle because if you you watch it very long you will start feeling things rise up even in yourself you'll start getting attitudes you'll start looking at people and saying look what they're doing to us and look and you'll get angry and it'll cause you it'll cause you to have spiritual uh, weakness really that's the best way to summarize it. so I I get a pulse check and then I shut her down <laughs> yeah I'd probably be a lot better off if I didn't do that <laughs> if I didn't even do that so if you now I'm not condemning anybody I'm not condemning anybody that's watching anything I'm just saying the, the enemy wants us to get tore up. And, he, and, and the number one thing he wants you to do is he wants you to think it's hopeless. It's never going to change. Things will never be normal. Nothing. We might as well just give up. That's what he wants us to do. But that's not what the word of God tells us. The word of God tells us that we can overcome this anger, this hate, the way that we can do it. We don't need to be like that. We don't need to fall into that. But we need to more than ever. We need to say, God, let me see people the way you see them. Give me a love for souls. God, give me a love that I call out on you that we start across our nation calling out for God to have mercy and for God to. You bring healing and for God to bring us together as a nation. The thing, that, the thing that struck me in the last few months that I've seen that's different than any time before in, in, in the past. I remember, as you all will, that when we had 9-11, when we had an outside force that came in and attacked us in our country. You've seen, it didn't matter what political affiliation you were. You've seen people standing on the, on the courthouse steps. You've seen them standing at the con- at Congress and, and the Senate and they're standing on the steps arm in arm asking God to intervene, asking God to help us and God to protect us and God to give us wisdom. And it brought our country together. But there's now there is a spirit in this age that we live in that says, I want to separate at all costs. We want to destroy at all costs. And that is the outcome. If we don't, if we don't have revival, if we don't have God intervene. And that's why more than ever, we need to be serious. I know there's a a lot of churches calling and I didn't even realize that Sunday night at eight o'clock, there was a call for churches across the whole nation to bind together and so we need to make sure that we're making this part even if you don't know what's going on we need to pray we need to realize that we need to pray for our nation more than ever before you know what this is and I was thinking as I was working on these uh, on this message and by the way I had a different one I was working on and yesterday morning when I woke up this verse that uh, uh, verse that says uh, uh, and now, and that knowing the time, it is now a high time to wake up out of sleep. Just came to me, and I thought, Lord, you you must be wanting me to work on that. And so I've been reading and studying that some since yesterday, because it's time for us to realize the time, so that you will pray, you'll seek my face, you'll call on my name, so that I can come in and put an end to the spirit. See, the spirit that's raging in this age, Jesus' name is above that name. There is, no, there is no hate. There is no spirit of anarchy. There is no destructive force who the name of Jesus is not greater who will not tremble at the name of Jesus Christ. And the reason that this darkness has come in so strong and so powerful in this age is because God's people's not been praying. Because God's people has been just kind of going down the road and kind of keeping things the way they are and being satisfied where they are. And we have to get to a place where we say, God, this is not going to be able to go on like this. We've got to see you move. And then when our hearts crumble before God and we start calling out on God the way He wants us to, all of a sudden, God's conviction spirit will start spreading and then there'll be no way that these people can come against that that's what we need to see we need to see churches rise up instead of chaos that's what we need to see instead of them burning churches they need to be building churches because it can't contain all the people that's trying to come to the house of god so paul is sitting here and oh, i was i didn't even get to where i was heading i was thinking about this is not the this is not the first time there's ever been hate like this it's not because when I was thinking about the who do you think of in this Word of God that that epitomizes love more than anybody else? Well, it's it's an easy it's an easy question. It's the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. And if you look at the very when he went to the cross and he came to the cross for you and me if you look what was going on there was the epitome if you could have seen that scene I was looking at a picture of my brother-in-law's house yesterday and I was there talking to him a little bit and helping him and then I was in across from his bed he's got a like a 1950 watercolor uh, picture of Jesus it's a really antique looking one and he was talking about how peaceful it is and I was thinking as I was looking at that picture because it was it was really beautiful and everything but I was thinking if we I said, if we could see what He truly looked like on that cross, it wouldn't be anything like that picture. Because He was mangled. He was bruised. He was beaten. He had thorns and probably swollen up and blood had dried on His face and His body was torn and He was bruised. And it wasn't, it wasn't just the enemies. It wasn't people who hated God. It was the religious people. It was the people who said that they were God's people is the very one that put Him on that cross. They're the very ones who turned and said crucify him crucify him. And what had he been doing for? They did that to him. He'd been healing them. He'd been meeting their needs. He had raised their family. He had met their financial needs. He had come and and encouraged them. He had preached peace. He had preached salvation. Yes. He came and encouraged those and and met all their needs. He fed them when they were hungry and then these very people that should have been saying that's the Lord and the few days before was saying Hosanna to the king all of a sudden their hearts are full of hate and they're saying crucify him And he's on that cross, and we see that, and we see that rage, we see that hate, we see that the demonic forces that that is laughing if we could see them because they had won the victory, they thought, because the Savior's on the cross. And we see the example he set for us. What was his response on that cross? Did he say, I was thinking, he could have said, many of us would have said, you'll see that you made a mistake, or you'll pay for what you did, but that's not what he did. What do we see him doing? We see him probably with tears running down his face, looking up and saying with what weakness he still had in his body, Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Love. The epitome, love, came off that cross. That's the picture that we see. And we're in a situation where hate is being poured out. And what should our response be? Paul gives us some instruction here. He says in verse 8, he says, Oh, no, man, anything. Owe oh, no man anything but to love one another. Now, Paul is not, I don't believe Paul is saying, don't get a loan. He's not saying, if you've got a mortgage on your house, you made a mistake. Now, hey, if you could do that, more power to you. Have at it. Mom and dad's always been a lot better off than me than getting, like, they would save up before they get stuff. Now, I'm not saying they didn't always roll on our house, but they would always save up before they get. And they taught me right. But now, when I got out there, I was like, hey, I want it now. So I would go, so that's not a great ideal. okay? So you need to be somewhere in the middle, I think, there. So if you can save up and get, that's the best way. But that's really not what Paul's saying. He's not instructing. There is some good instruction on, on borrowing money. But what that's really saying is, and if you read the preceding verses in the chapter right before, or earlier in this chapter, actually, the first few uh, verses before this, because we start with verse 8, he's saying, don't as christians shouldn't sit around and not pay their their debts we should try with all of our might to pay our debts and have a good example we should pay what we owe okay and he's going to make a point. He's really, this really, this focus is not on finances, okay? But I was thinking about that. I was thinking about paying, you know, sometimes it gets hard. You know, there's months, it gets pretty tough, don't it? Sometimes you'll have unexpected things come, and All of a sudden, it gets tough making those. You've got these obligations you've made, and sometimes you really, it gets tough. And so you have to make decisions and priorities and so forth. I was thinking about some of my loans in the past. and Even when I paid off my house, I, I was sitting there, and it's not been that long ago that I got that. Thing. And I remember, I would tell them, my wife, you know, just 36 more payments, and then just 24 more, and then just 18, and then just 12, and when I started counting them down, three more, just three more, and so it was it was exciting, it was exciting to get rid of that obligation, and so you finally get to the end of it, and they send you something paid in full, and so you, now you've met your obligation, and you don't have to do it anymore, and you're just excited, because you don't have to look at that, and see that bank name coming out of your account every single month, but what he's really talking about here, he's saying, yes, there's uh, in your, in your real obligations to people. You need to do what you're supposed to do and try not to owe people as much as you can. Do what you're supposed to do, fulfill what you say. But he says, here's one thing. He says, you need to owe, man, uh, owe no man anything but to love one another. What he's saying there is there's one debt you will never pay in full. There is one thing, if you're my child, just like I'm doing you, you will never come to the end and say, fulfilled, it's over. I've loved them enough. They're done. I don't have to love them anymore. I've met That he says, when you meet whoever's around you, your family, your friends, those coworkers, even people that are doing you wrong. Lord, that can't be who you're talking about. But he says, those that are our neighbors, those people that we are around, your neighbors are different than mine. You've got someone who lives, and it's not talking about just neighbors on the left and right side of your house. It's everybody you come in contact with. He says the one thing that you as a Christian, I'm telling you, you'll never pay to fulfill, and you will never come to the end of is You should love them all the time. No matter what, you need to keep loving. And then we say, but why, God? Why do we need to keep loving everybody and we never fulfill that? Because why? Because I love you that way. You do you deserve it when I love no did you love you uh, deserve it when I when I saved you no did you deserve it when I met that need no I love you every day. Every day, it's a brand new love is waiting for you, and I want you to do the same thing to those around you. Let me tell you something. That is what the world is looking for. This chaos that's going on. There is stuff missing inside of them, and it's the love of God. It's the love that passes. It's it just. There's no way to put your mind. There is a love that God can put in us for people who don't deserve it. And 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 there was uh, the testimony. Just I was just thinking about as I said that is uh, a relationship that was very hostile at first. I remember David Wilkerson, who pastored Times Square, who later died. He died a few years ago in a car wreck. Man, what a mighty, like a prophet of God he was. Man, he's a powerful guy. But he, God called him, I think, from Pennsylvania to New York City when these gang members had killed some people or killed some, I can't remember who they killed, but I remember Nikki Cruz was one of these, he was like a demon-possessed uh, gang member, and they, this gang was the worst of the worst. And God put a burden from a distance for that man. He seen that the vile things that these men these boys had done. They were young guys and they'd done this and they were bold and brazen in what they had done. And the Lord gave him a ministry. To go to New York City and he walked those streets and he was praying. He knew God had drugged him there and asked him to come there. And he gave him a love for these people, these gang members. And when he came and confronted Nicky Cruz, Nicky Cruz threatened to take his life. You don't even talk to me about that, God. You don't do anything, I'll cut your throat. He threatened him. Don't you tell me about that. But God gave him a love from somebody who didn't deserve it. Do you know the outcome of that? Is that God reached into those lives and he converted Nikki Cruz, one of the hardest, most vile gang members you've ever seen and he's now a preacher of the gospel. It's a preacher of the gospel. Why? Because someone had a heart of love that God was able to use to come into someone who didn't deserve it. And so we see here that he says here, love, don't let your love run out. And it says here, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. It says there that you have checked Every box. You have done everything I've asked if you learn to truly love. Love is the key to making, to pleasing God. Yes. And when you truly love someone, you do whatever it takes to reflect that love. You truly love, you want to give. When you truly love, someone's hurting, you want to fix it. You want to pray. You want to be there. You just think about that. Think about someone you truly love and when they have needs, you want to be the one to meet it. When they have needs, you want to be the one to help them. You're going to call them and you're going to tell them, hey, I'm praying for you, whatever it takes. So there is some, you know, you see Jesus love even when he's correct. I've read this before, but man, it's one of my favorite little verses that gives us little nuggets of who Jesus was. We see that that young man that came to the Lord and come up to him and says, Lord, I've done everything. I've lived my life perfect. I'm, I, you know, basically. Am I ready for eternal life? Do I get? Do I can I check off the box eternal life? And the Lord uh, knew. God knows our needs. God knows our deficiency. God knows our weaknesses. And He knew this guy had a problem. He knew that this man was a, this young boy was a rich boy, and it wasn't the money. It's the fact that it contained it, that he didn't he didn't have money, but money had him. Money was the number one thing to him, and he and he had a grip on him. And so he'd done everything right, except that money wasn't too big to him. And so we see he was asking, kept asking, Lord, I've done all these things. And here was the Lord's answer. It says in Mark 10, 21, and Jesus looking at him, loved him. He loved him. Before he was even going to tell him this, it it lets us know that he looked at him with compassion, even though he knew he was going to have to correct him. He says, you lack one thing, go sell all that you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. He loved him, and therefore he told him the truth. He gave him instruction. So we see that the Lord is a model of love. Verse 9 goes goes on and says, For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet, and if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying. Namely, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I put up, if you could put that slide, I found a slide that had the Ten Commandments on it. Okay, this is the Ten Commandments. And, and when I was looking at there's actually one behind the door in there, and I was looking at it last night. And I was kind of going through this saying, now, Lord, is that, is that the case? Is that, is, does love sum up all these things? Uh, If you shall have no other gods before me, if you love God, nobody's more important. If you love your wife, there ain't nobody else more important than her or your husband. You can't think of anybody. Hey, that, hey, that person's a good looking person, but they ain't nothing like you. Man, you're the best Uh, that you shall not make any idols. Why in the world would we need an idol when we got God? Nothing else. We love him. These other things are just hay, wood, and stubble. Uh, number three, should not uh, take the name of the Lord in vain. Hey, if you love somebody, if it's your most loved person, if it's your, if it's your uh, 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 wife or your your uh, uh, mother, your mother. Let's try this one. If it's your, let me tell you, I had a friend that knew what he knew how to make me mad. When I was a kid, all he had to do say something about my mother. And so me and he was rolling. <laughs> we would roll because he knew. He didn't whether he didn't believe it, he'd just say it because he knew. Red faced, here I come. Because he would because he would say something. You say something about somebody you love. You ain't gonna say something bad. You ain't gonna sit there and take their name in vain and use your, use your mom's name as a cuss word or something like that. Because you love them. It's something you reverence. And so that's true. Love makes a difference in that. Remember the Sabbath day. You love God, you want to be in his house, don't you? This house should be running over if people truly love God. Is because though we love Him, we want to be around. And if we love each other, we want to see each other. And so we come down. And I'm, I'm going to hurry up here. Honor your father and mother. Hey, if you love your mom and dad, you reverence them, and you nothing. You would you don't let anything become more important than that. You you make something special. You're going to be there on Mother's Father's Day. You're going to be there on a regular basis. You're going to be there if they have a need. And so we realize that if we love somebody, we want to be around them. And then you, how do you murder somebody you love? I love you. I'm sorry, but I'm going to. You can't do it. You love somebody. You can't do something like that. You can't commit adultery if you love your spouse. You can't steal from someone. If you love someone, why would you take something from someone else? Because it's going to grieve your own heart. You won't lie on somebody because you would rather lie on yourself than lie on them because you love them. And you want to make sure that they are prospering. You don't covet what they got. You want them to be blessed. Just like, think about this. Your kids, you want your kids to have more than you got. It doesn't bother you a bit. If your kids have twice as much as you got, you say more power to them. I'm tickled to death. I've done my job right. I don't care how much you get. I love my kids. And I want them to have more than i had you don't covet why you love them you want them to prosper every one of these so, but was that all he was talking about no actually what it was referring to this it's even greater than this there is i'm going to i didn't find this list cuz it take a little while there's 613 uh, rabbinic laws these rabbis had found 613 this is why this is why the rest of the people couldn't live right the way they did because there're 613 there's not 10 613 laws you got to follow and we follow them all we follow them all and you can't cuz you ain't good enough that's what they would say I'm paraphrasing, of course. But do you know what he's saying here? You take any one of those 613 just like I did on these 10, you're going to find the same thing. If you love, if you learn to love God and your brother and your sister and your mother and your father and even those that do you wrong, if you truly love them, all 613 is taken care of. You don't have to worry about messing up any of them. We see that. And in fact, Jesus answered that in Matthew 22. I don't think this is up there. 37 through 40, it says, Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is likened to it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and prophets. That's what he's saying. All 613, or if you find 6,013, doesn't matter. Everything is summed up there. Love. Love. If there's anything that we need to ask God for, it's love. And it goes on in verse 10, talking about that love. I'm going to try to hurry. Verse 10 says, love worketh no ill. That word ill means evil. Love keeps you from doing evil to your neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. You want to please God. You want God to bless your life. You want God to to pour into you and to to give you a lot of friends and to God to bless you. You learn to love. Let me tell you something. Sometimes it's hard. I know that. Sometimes people, you say, but you don't know who my enemy is. You don't know who this person is. You don't know my family member. You don't know. Let me tell you something, but God does. And God loves them, even though they don't deserve it sometime. But he tells us we want to fulfill it. So here's what we need to do. So what is our response? So he's given us instruction. He's telling us we need to love. He's telling us that we need to react. But then we get into the title of what we're looking at tonight. And he says, now, what are you going to do about it? I've told you to love. I've told you that's how you fulfill my law. And then he goes in and says, do you realize there's not hardly any time left? Time is short. And he says here in verse 11. In that. After telling you all that, he says, knowing the time, it is now that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation near than when we believed. It's the beginning of verse 12 says, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. What he's saying there is, There is a limited time. The reason you're seeing what you're seeing poured out, the reason it's so important that we work on our love and we say, God, put you." we can't do it in ourselves. I can't, I can't. I have to say, God, you've got to help me. God, you've got to help me. And even working on this message, I had to say, God, I know there's circumstances I probably are not handling correctly. Please help me to love. Even when people are doing me wrong, please help me to love. Not just not say nothing, but love. It's one thing not to say anything. It's another thing to sit there and say, well, you know, you're inside. You're going, oh, I got it. But it's different when we say, but you look at that person with love and compassion and you say, God bless their life. Man, and it's a hard thing to do. But that's what he's telling us to do. And he says, why do you need to do it? Because it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. Uh, if you, I used, to, I used to, I remember when I was, mom used to want us to get up do devotions in the morning when I was a teenager. She knew I needed it really bad. And so she would try to get me up. But we had to go to school. And, man, I, you know, I didn't want to get up. And she would come in there and make me, you know, get up, get up. You need to pray. You need to get ready. And I would just sit there. And she'd have to come back and get me the second time. And then I'd finally get on my knees and she'd come back and I'd be sitting there, <laughs> you know, it's time to wake up. Yeah, it's time to wake up. You ever had your kids have that problem? They don't want to get up. You try to you tell them to get ready. I used to have to get the kids and take them to school every day because they went to a private school, to a Christian school, and and man, it was like pulling teeth. I was trying to get them something to eat and I was trying to do all this stuff and take them to, and they would go back to bed on me and it's like wake up. Wake up. Do you know what time it is? Well, that's what it's saying. He's saying here spiritually. You need to realize the time. And all you got to do is take the blinders off. Look at what's happening in our own country in three months. If you look at where our country was three months ago and you look at it today, we are heading to the last moment. We are on a jet tour to the last time. We are the heading that way. And the Lord is saying to us more than ever with this verse in this hour realize what time it is. It's time to wake up. The night is far spent. Hey, time is to, time to rest. Time to be on cruise is over. It's time for us to get serious about the things of God and apply these things to our heart because time is short. There will come a time, and it's going to happen soon. We've heard this our whole life, and that's what it says. The scripture will say that they will say in the end times, "Oh, we've heard it our whole lives, and it's never happened yet. So therefore, it's probably not going to happen in our life." No, let me tell you something. They never seen what we're seeing. They've never seen what we're seeing. There's a. When I was a kid, I knew there's a couple of things that needed to be fulfilled, and I and I kept watching for those things to be fulfilled. Not you know you try to skate through. And, okay, I got to get serious. It's coming to the end. But I'm telling you what, we're at the end. We're there. The Lord's going to be coming back. And he tells us it's time to wake up. He goes on. You know what? It's time to dress up. You need to watch what you got on. And I'm not talking about your your clothes. This ain't a clothesline sermon. But it says in the last half of 12. It says, let us therefore cast off the works of dark. Don't be like everybody else. Don't let this world influence you. Don't let these things that everybody else. Don't let this anger. Don't let this hate. Don't let this worldliness fill your life. And you be like everybody else. Cast that off because time is short. And it says, and let us put on the armor of light. It's saying here that we need to watch. What have we got on? How? What are we wearing? Do we have on the God? Do, who is that light it's talking about? The Lord Jesus Christ. We need His glory. We need His presence in our life. And why do we need light? Because not only does it show who's in our life, but it points a light. It shines a beam to others so that they can see the way, the truth, and the life. And it's not us. It's Jesus Christ. We reflect Him. It's time to not only wake up, but it's time to dress up. We need to put on the Lord Jesus jesus christ more than ever before we need to get rid of things that he says that he doesn't want in our lives we need to ask him search me god god you replace everything that's me with you god and you deal with my heart god help me to put on you your holy righteousness so it's time to wake up it's time to dress up you know what else it's time to clean up it's time to clean up it says in verse 13 let us walk honestly as in the day uh, 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 by the way, right here, uh, I was thinking as I read that right then uh, well, Let us walk honestly as in the day I mean, wh- what, When is these things, these problems that we're watching When do they get worse? They get, uh, before before dark Before dark, there's peaceful protests going on, right? Everybody, you know, they're mad well, Sometimes they're not, there's crazy stuff going on even in the day But for the most part, you've got this crowd that's that's under control and whatever But as soon as darkness comes as soon as darkness comes, chaos erupts. Why? Because it's like you don't, you can't see me. I, they feel like they can get away. Listen, let me tell you something. It's the same way in our sinner life before we got saved. We, we the God's Spirit, we were distant from God and God's Spirit was not able to penetrate our hearts and we were living in sin and we were enjoying our sin and we were miserable in our sin, but we kept in our sin. Why? Because we were in darkness. Darkness is the opposite of light. Darkness is the absence of Of light. But there came a day. And I can tell you in every one of your lives. Just like mine. There came a day when that changed. What happened? That light shone through the darkness. All of a sudden it's like if you get up at 3 o'clock this morning. And you go in the kitchen. And you turn the light on real quick. Look. Look. Now hopefully, hopefully you don't see this, but in I've had in years past in, in other houses that I've had, I've turned on a light and I'd see something scurry across the floor or something like that. You know what? What is it? They got running for cover because the lights on. I'm seen, I'm exposed. I can't stay in the light. I gotta run for darkness, right? And it's saying here that it says here in in time to clean up, let us walk soberly as in the day. Why? Because when that spirit penetrated your heart, no longer could you hide from sin anymore. Sin was revealed. You come into the service. You feel God dealing with you. And you feel like it's written on your forehead everything you've been doing. And you just know everybody knows because you can just feel it. It's just like there's a billboard saying I'm a sinner. I'm a vile wretch. Look at me and everybody. You feel like that's going on but it ain't. But what's the deal? God God's light is shining in your heart. Yes. And it's, that's what happens when God's spirit shines. And it says that's the way we need to live our life. Realizing that the spirit of God is shining in your heart. No longer can we hide these things. We've got to clean up. and We've got to let God. It says not in rioting and drunkenness. Not in chambering and wantonness. Not in strife and envying. We see a lot of strife. We see a lot of destruction. We see a lot of... Uh, Lives just run rampant, just running crazy. And they need God's help. And what we have to do, the Lord says, don't let that be in your life. It's time to clean up. It's time to let God deal with our hearts so that we don't prohibit the light from shining out of us by cleaning up and then God's presence is able to fill the void that was in us and then others can see Him. Because he's coming soon. And then finally, it's time to look up. It's time to look up. Verse 14 says, But put ye on the Lord Jesus, that light we was talking about, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. How do you do that? Our nature is incapable of living a clean and pure life. We are not righteous in ourselves. How is it that we can do that? It tells us to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. As we turn our attention, as we give our life to the Lord Jesus Christ, as we look to the Lord Jesus Christ and surrender ourselves to Him, He surrounds us with His glory. He surrounds us with His light. And then we are able to fulfill that Scripture says that do not make provision. Don't even open a door for the enemy to work through. Don't even give yourself an opportunity to fulfill the lust, the things of this world, but let ourselves be the vessel that God wants us to be. So we are in this hour, and our response can be, well, it hasn't came to our house yet. I got, you know, whether it happens or not, I mean, it's not that important, but I even got the word this morning that law enforcement had had gotten word that there is going to be some stuff happening in London tomorrow. Who knows? But we don't want to wait until we see it in our own neighborhood before we realize that God needs to send revival to our country. You know, we we prayed for God to send revival during a pandemic, and we see that God has been faithful to do a work and be faithful to our people and be faithful to our families, and God came through for us. Every one of you all are a testimony to that. We see that. Now we need to pray for God to open the eyes of our leaders, open the eyes of the lost, and that the number one thing is that the Holy Spirit would sweep this nation. Again, as we've seen stories from the past that as people prayed, that the Holy Spirit, they didn't have to say anything. Little ladies or little groups would start praying, and then all of a sudden the Spirit of God would sweep 15 miles, and people would just come out and fall on their knees. They would come out on their porch and fall on their knees, or they'd be they would be drawn to the church, not to burn it, but to call out and find someone who knew about God because they felt something draw in their heart. They'd never felt people who were living in darkness, all of a sudden light reached in the middle of the night, got their heart, and pulled them to the altar. You think God can't do that again? God will do that again if we will do it again. If we'll get to the place that we call on God, we get to the place where we say, God, to you more, this is more important than us than anything else, more important than our economy, more important than jobs, more important than who's on the White House, more important than anything else. We got to see you, God. You've got to bring revival. If not, this country could implode. We need revival. We need to get this. And it's going to start by loving and letting God's love shine in us because God loves the world so much that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever yeah. the vilest sinner would call on His name, He'll forgive them and give them everlasting life. It just That's the love of God. God's love permeates everything He does. Yeah. And He says, if you'll let me be the disciple, if you'll be the disciple I want you to be, I'll put that love in you. Yeah. But you to—you got to want to do it. you got to want to do it. So wake up, dress up, clean up, and look up. God can do the miraculous, can He? Amen. How many believes He can move tonight? He can move tonight. How many tonight will stand with me and let's just spend a couple of moments at the end of this service that we call in on God. God, to work in our life. God, give us the love that comes directly from on heaven from on high. And then God, that you use us to light the world. And God, you bring revival to our land. Let's do it together. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We thank you, Lord, that you're a mighty God. You're on the throne. And Lord, your name's above every name. God, you're above all of this, God. Nothing can happen, Lord, if you don't allow it. God Lord you're looking for your people you're looking for a remnant of people who call on your name and God we don't want to sit and condemn Lord we want to love and God I pray that you give us a love that God we would pray with such a desire God instead of trying to win God that we would look God with God a heart of love and compassion that we would love our nation that we would love our families that we would love our communities that we would love God Lord what is you love and God that you would send revival God sweet Keep this land with a move of your Holy Spirit like never before. God, that people who has things on their mind to cause destruction, all of a sudden, Almighty God, that Lord, conviction would grip their heart. That things would fall out of their hands and they would fall to their knees, God. God, start from the top and work all the way down with your mighty power. God, send revival. Stir us, God. Give us a heart like you've got. Give us a desire like you have, Almighty God. Oh, Lord, and let us see the fruit. of it let us see the fruit of it oh God as you transform us start here Lord we're small but God we're available and I pray that you would move in a mighty way here we are Lord we're yielded to you we want to see you move we can't do a thing in ourselves but you can almighty God answer and show yourself mighty show yourself mighty because Lord you're still on the throne they're still on the throne, God. Lord, Your name's above every name, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, You're the answer. You're the answer to this situation, Jesus. Lord, it's no other name but one name. It's Jesus. Almighty God, bring down strongholds. Bring hearts Lord, to their knees. Let us humble ourselves before You. Almighty God, have Your way. Have Your way. Have Your way. Have Your way. Hallelujah. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you believe that? Yes. Hallelujah. I, I want, please, put that on your prayer list. Make it a priority it, it, throughout the day. When God brings it to your mind, just throw up another little prayer. Lord, bring revival to our land. God, save save our leadership. God, save our country. We, God, God was faithful to us in our creation. God was faithful as we were founded. And God will be faithful again if God's people, which are called by in His name, will humble themselves and pray and seek His face and, and, and turn from our wicked ways. He'll hear. He'll answer. He'll heal. He'll deliver. Hallelujah. Want Him. Amen. Amen. Let's, I'm going to pray and ask the Lord to dismiss. I really appreciate you coming. And come out this Sunday and bring, bring a couple there with you as you come. Amen yeah bring (laughs) us okay hallelujah let's let me pray and dismiss this heavenly father thank you for your work thank you for your strength and your power that we feel lord and god i pray that you go with us and god that you would have your way lord You'd accomplish it, Lord. Let us see what You're doing. Let us see You move. And God, continue answering these prayer requests and moving, God. Lord, that we have more faith and more courage to trust You for even more. You're a good God. And Lord, we believe in You and trust in You. In Jesus' name, amen.